0: Um, So we're reading from Mark chapter 1 today, Um, chapter 1, verse 32 to 2, verse 12, Um, and just a little bit of context. Um, So far in Mark's gospel, we saw that Jesus calls disciples um, to place following him as their number one priority in life. With the first disciples, he's shown um, he has all authority over sickness, demons, and the people recognize um, Jesus taught God's word with authority. So it's Mark chapter 1, verse 32. That evening, after, this, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. A few days later, when Jesus, was again, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them since they could not get to him oh sorry since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralyzed man son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that And go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this.
1: Thank you, Kelly. Uh, That's terrific. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, I'm going to lead us in prayer. Feel free to say amen at the end. Uh, let me pray, God, our Father. We do pray that by Your Holy Spirit, You will empower me to speak the words of the good news of Jesus. Uh, Father, we, uh, my prayer is that each one here might experience the wonder, the joy, the relief of having sins forgiven. And so, Father, we pray that You will humble each person here, uh, give us soft hearts to listen and to respond in faith, uh, believing in the Lord Jesus and his promises and his power. Amen. Now, I discovered this week, I was a bit slow to the party, but the United Nations has 17 urgent priorities for our world. So let me show you on the screen. They're numbered 1 to 17, but they're no particular order. So these are the 17 big priorities worldwide matters uh, i'm sorry the, your screen's missing today so you'll have to look a long distance uh so no poverty zero hunger good health and well-being quality education gender equality uh, anyway you can you can read the rest so which would you say are like the top one or two just have a quick word to the person next to you what would you rate uh, as the top. Because what they did is they had a worldwide survey and they said to people, nominate your top six, right? but you've only got time to nominate one or two. right? So have a, have a quick discussion with the person next to you. If you can't read the text, you might be able to make it out by the picture. <clears throat> okay, do you want to see the results? <clears throat> This is the two thousand and thirteen survey, <clears throat> and they said quality education came in at number one. Good health, uh, good health and well-being came in at number two. Decent work and economic growth—is it decent work? Yeah. Peace, justice, and strong institutions. Zero hunger. So they were the top five. At the bottom was climate change. So this is just two thousand and. Interesting. So, out of all the priorities worldwide, in 2015, there just wasn't an urgency being felt about climate change, but quality education uh, was number one. Now... They've started, the so that was seven million people responded. right So that's a, a bigger sampling of, than most surveys. In fact, I've never heard a survey with as big a sample except the Australian census, but that's not an opinion poll, um, hopefully. Uh, so they've started the 2030 survey, and let me show you some of the results, because uh, here we go. So climate action has kind of increased in people's concern, But it kind of depends where you live. So if you live in North America or Europe, climate change is the big one. Uh, If you live in South America or Africa, quality education is still your top priority. Uh, So we'll see how that survey pans out. It's got another six years to run, uh, and I'll show you the results in six years' time. Um, But you have an opportunity even today to go on and cast your vote. Now, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but I will be. Right? As bad as those 17 global threats are, not one of them is your greatest problem in life. Right? So they're big problems right? and, uh, and there's some scary things and you watch the news and you can just feel overwhelmed by the, the the vastness of these things, you know, and it doesn't even include much about war, there, does it? And all that sort of Anyway, so but the big problem from God's perspective is sin and its consequences, uh, and it's it's one of those ones that I think, like some of those things, you know, like climate change, you have the deniers, you have those who are desperately urgent about it, you have those who who are suspicious. It's the same with sin. Right, a lot of people just drift through life utterly unaware that from God's perspective, which is the only perspective that matters at the end of the day, from God's perspective, sin is the greatest threat to humanity. Uh, and that's how the book of Mark begins. Uh, John the Baptist comes and preaches a baptism of repentance. Turn away from your sin. Jesus comes and preaches The time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent, turn away from your sin. But for both of them, it's not kind of a doomsday message. It's not just doom and gloom. Both of them have a hope, a remedy built in. So John the Baptist said, for the forgiveness of sins. There is a remedy for sin that we'll hear about in the gospel of Jesus. Jesus calls it good news. Because it's good news where, if left on our own, we would be in massive trouble. But with the help of Jesus and the, and the compassion of God, there is a remedy to sin. And it's forgiveness. Uh, and it's my privilege to be able to share that with you today. Uh, and I just pray that whether, you, whether you're coming to this for the first time or the thousandth time... Uh my prayer is that you will be struck by the joy and wonder and comfort of forgiveness. My prayer is that each one of us will experience it and know what it is to be forgiven by God. It is great. Right? And and uh and you won't be in any doubt that I think that by the end of today. All right, so Bibles open, Mark chapter one, verse forty. So have your Bibles open there. There are three episodes, one after the other, that each point us or help, help sharpen our understanding of sin and forgiveness. And the first is where we left off last week, and that is when Jesus meets the man who had leprosy. Now, leprosy is a disease. I'm not a doctor, right? Uh, and I don't, all I all do is say what I've read about these things, and if I'm wrong come and talk to me afterwards or just ignore it right and, and and but here here's what i understand leprosy is a disease it causes open sores over the body up until last century it was incurable in every culture leprosy is socially alienating which is is fun. it's not funny it's ironic because it's not actually contagious um and so it's the stigma of it the feeling that Oh, this person, there's something unpleasant, something dangerous about this person, and I don't want to get it, even though in reality you won't get it, right? It's not contagious. Um, In first century Israel, it was even worse. Leviticus chapter 13 says, The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. Imagine having to do that, to cry out, unclean, unclean, as a warning to those around about. How would you feel? Uh, Just so alienating. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Lepers were banned from the temple Imagine having a leper as your child. Uh, and your pa- like, you know, Imagine your parents not even coming near you to touch you, to give you a hug. Uh, imagine not having the shake or embrace of a friend. Uh, that was the life of a leper. It felt like physical, social, spiritual death, a death sentence. Now, this leper, as you can imagine, has heard something about Jesus and his power. He falls to his knees and begs Jesus, please Jesus. Verse 40, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He knows Jesus' power. He knows Jesus is able. But is Jesus willing? Will Jesus take an interest in an unclean person? like me, when everyone else has kept at a distance my whole life. Now, in response, Jesus does something very beautiful. He reaches out and touches this man. Wow. Uh, Even that was an extraordinary thing for this man. Uh, He wouldn't have received embrace, touch, affirmation physically. And Jesus says, I am willing Be clean, and immediately the leprosy is healed and cleansed. And now he's got a new name. He's no longer the leper, but the person who used to have leprosy. And Jesus reverses what we expect. So we expected as Jesus, so the normal expectation, you touch the leper, the contagion comes to you. You become unclean in the sight of God. But instead, Jesus reaches out, touches the leper and, and cleanness, healing, restoration sweeps over this man and he is healed. And just imagine the impact. He can now start a new life. He can go to the temple. Uh, he can walk. He can hug his parents. He can find a girlfriend uh, and embrace her. Um, he just his life is transformed by this one moment with Jesus, uh, and that is that is the power of Jesus that is available to us even today, just that transforming power of coming to know Jesus. What a wonderful thing Jesus did! But I want you to notice there is a cost, and I, th- I think I only discovered this last week. But there's a cost for Jesus. See, the leper used to be the outsider, but now Jesus becomes the outsider. Right? The leper comes in and Jesus is excluded. Have a look at verse 45. So this leper goes out and tells everyone, and who could blame him, spreading the news? As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. I think the author's doing some deliberate foreshadowing there. You know what foreshadowing is, don't you? Uh, The idea is he's showing us that Jesus comes to bring cleansing and to bring people close to God, but there'll be a cost for Jesus. He will kind of step into our place. So here, the leper is the outsider coming in. Jesus is the insider who goes out who leaves the camp uh, for our sake. And that kind of is setting up for us the bigger issue than leprosy, and that is sin. Right? And, and leprosy becomes a helpful window into understanding the bigger problem that we have as sin. Uh, and that is, it's like leprosy of the heart that we have, an incurable disease that threatens to cut us off from relationship with God, it causes so much problem in our relationships, but even more, it gives us a problem for that day when we will stand before God and we will have no excuse. Uh, We cannot hide our guilt and shame on that day. And yet Jesus came to trade places for us. Jesus came... And our guilt and shame, was like, it was like it was placed on him and he endured the death that we deserve to endure. But as a result, we are now cleansed. Our sin has been removed. And we have this confidence where we can stand before God, forgiven, uh, with no accusation to answer to. I, I, um, during the week, I asked some members of our church about their experience of forgiveness. Uh, and uh, Brenton, uh, one of the members of our church, with his beautiful family, he said, I'm greatly set free. And that was a theme, just a theme of feeling freedom. I'm greatly set free knowing that, having been forgiven, there is no record of it anywhere. So in Isaiah 43, I think it is, it says, God remembers our sin no more. Um, There is therefore no more shame or guilt and I can fully enjoy the love offered to me. Jesus has secured that for me. That's beautiful, isn't it? Um, Now, sometimes we do feel shame and guilt. And what we have to keep reminding ourselves is, no, Jesus has taken it away. In reality, even if the feelings are there, Jesus has dealt with it. He's paid it all. Let me show you our dear sister, uh, Hannah. Uh, sent me a comment with her two beautiful daughters there. I love forgiveness because it sets me free from the bondage of being tied to my sins. And it means I am truly accepted and loved by God. And Hannah, I'm so glad that that's been your experience. And it's been wonderful for many of us to kind of journey with you as you've discovered uh, God's forgiveness. Uh, but it really is beautiful when you've got these things in your past that feel like they are just an anchor, that are just holding you back. And, and if people discover these things, it brings shame. But to know that God has forgiven, it really does set you free. Now, I want to ask, has that been your experience? All right, we all have a different experience, but do you know the cleansing of forgiveness to have guilt and shame washed clean not through anything you've done but through the wonderful kindness compassion of the lord jesus that's what he came to do he says i am willing i will forgive i will cleanse that brings us on to the second interaction jesus and the paralyzed man chapter 2 verse 3 a few blokes They're really lovely guys. They love their friend. Their friend is a paraplegic. He cannot walk. They desperately want their friend to be able to walk again. And Jesus is in a house and as has become the custom, the crowds are just pressing on the house. And so these mates carrying their friend, right? So they've already kind of stretched him, you know, across town, maybe from another village, uh, you know, so they've gone the hard yards and they get to the house and they realise they're shut out. So that ingenuity of, of the boys getting together, they climb up on the roof of the house and the roofs of the house weren't tin like our roofs. They were kind of clay, straw, mixture. And they just start digging away, you know, get the mattock out, chip, chip, chip. Uh, and the, the, a hole appears in the roof. Now can you imagine the the scene? All these people gathered. Um, I imagine it, I was watching the tennis this week um, and just as sermon research, right? Um, and, and I was kind of, you know how there's a hubbub, you know, and the, you know, you know in between points, you know, there's lots of cheering. Oh, yo, 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 and then as soon as the serve is about to take place, it's all quiet and the anticipation. And the crowd kind of gets the rules most of the time. Uh, I imagine I imagine something like that with Jesus as the hole opened up and there's this hubbub. What's going on here? And the dirt's coming down from the ceiling. And then this imagine this, this paralyzed guy lowered on ropes, still on his stretcher. It's obvious the issue. He's he can't walk. Uh, and and so there's that hubbub, you know. Is Jesus going to do another one of these miracles? Wow, this will be good. Uh, and and so you can imagine the hubbub, and then as Jesus is about to speak, the hush. And Jesus says those words, "Son, your sins are forgiven." And I reckon the crowd are like, "I don't think Jesus has got the moment. Uh, I don't think, And the guy, in the, the paraplegic's going. Okay, but what about the legs? You know, the le- That's what I'm here for. And the mates are going, uh, it's all very well saying you're forgiven, but we brought our friend here to be healed. Um, and so I reckon a number of people would have been feeling a little bit shortchanged at that moment. How do we even know he's been forgiven? What is there, a whole halo glowing on his head now? Um, but the religious leaders were thinking something different. So verse 6, chapter 2, verse 6, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow Jesus talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, there's a truth to what they're saying here. Who does Jesus think he is? What right does Jesus have to claim that he can hand out forgiveness from God? See, imagine Colin's been leading the service here today. Imagine Colin comes and slaps me on the face, right? He's not known to do that regularly, right? But imagine he just comes and, just as out of a random act of craziness, comes and smacks me on the face. And then Rhonda says to Colin, Oh, Colin, it's okay. I forgive you. And I'd be thinking, Well, that's all very well. He didn't slap you, Rhonda. It was me that he slapped, and so it's my right to forgive, not Rhonda's. So who does she think she is to step in and offer forgiveness? No, you're not forgiven until I say so. Um, Sin is effectively where we slap God in the face. Uh, This God who made us, who made us for a special relationship with him. You know... He's just showered so many blessings on us. He made us in his image right from creation to enjoy that intimacy of relationship where we could rule over the world under him and enjoy his blessings. And what we do is we take and take and take, but we don't give thanks. We don't acknowledge him. We run our lives our own way. And any time someone suggests maybe we owe God something, well, we find that offensive. This is my life to do whatever I want with. And each time we do something like that, it's like we're slapping God in the face, saying, you have no right. You have no place to rule over me. And Jesus comes along and he offers... To forgive on God's behalf—it's a big claim, right? And the religious leaders know it. So, verse eight: immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, "Why are you thinking these things?" Now, I want to have a pastoral moment for our church family at this point. This is an aside. Um, I just want to say, please don't try this yourself, right? You know how Jesus knows what they're thinking in their hearts? You don't, right? Um, you might think you know what's going on in someone else's heart, but your judgment is not as accurate as Jesus. Um, and I've experienced that sometimes. Uh, so we've just got to be so careful about making assumptions about what is on someone else's heart, um, we live in a society where people are so quick to judge on such superficial basis. We must not be the people that perpetuate that, but rather give generous assumptions uh, towards one another. You're not Jesus, so be careful, right? There's a little waiver, but Jesus is Jesus, right? And he knows what the religious leaders are thinking. He knows that there's kind of mal intent in their hearts. And he challenges them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? And then Jesus poses a question that I have thought about a lot, and it still kind of it does my head in, um, because it takes me in little circles. But it's a great question. Listen to this question. Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. Which is easier? A quick quick word to the person next to you. All right, if you haven't got someone next to you, just have a word to yourself, say. Right. Which is easier? Your sins are forgiven. Get up, take your mountain walk. Okay. All right. Let me let me let me press on. Um because at one level, it's easier to say, your sins are forgiven. Right? Because, well, how can, how can anyone ever, ever know whether that's true or false? And so I could say it to all of you, your sins are forgiven. And you wouldn't know, would you? You're not going to walk out of here glowing you know, with a halo. Uh, so it's, so it's, but to say, get up and walk, that's harder, isn't it? Because you've kind of got to back it up. Um, With in reality and so on a superficial level we know which is harder it's harder to say get up and walk yet before God forgiveness of sins is our biggest problem forgiveness is harder because only God can do that lots of people throughout history have done miraculous things and who knows where their power comes from Um, But forgiveness, only God can forgive my sins, and unless my sins are forgiven, then I face that dreadful prospect of standing before my creator God, being unprepared, um, being being full of guilt and shame that has not been washed away, and I'll be utterly ill-prepared for God to stand before him on that day. So... I reckon at a deeper level, forgiveness is harder. Um, And so notice what Jesus says before he heals the paraplegic. Verse 10, But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. It's kind of like Jesus has used this dramatic moment to teach the whole crowd an important message. And that is... Firstly, forgiveness is our biggest problem, right? even though the paraplegic didn't realise it, even though his friends didn't realise it. biggest issue of every person on the planet is my sins and having forgiveness. But, but also what Jesus is setting up is the healing of this man, the way the man walks out in full view of them all, is a demonstration that Jesus does have the power to do the harder thing. He has the power to forgive sins. And I want you to listen to what our brother Darren Box said about forgiveness. This is a beautiful um, quote. Forgiveness is more important than being able to live right now without my wheelchair because being right with God is my deepest need and that lasts for eternity. Now, that's a beautiful quote, isn't it? And it's true. And I agree. Yes, Darren would love to walk again, and we would all love him to be able to walk again yeah, uh, with, with freedom. But forgiveness is more important to him because that's eternal. And with forgiveness comes the promise of that new creation, where he will walk again. Uh, and all of our sicknesses and frailty of this life will recede into the background. But forgiveness is our biggest need. Tim Stevenson from Night Church said this, Forgiveness is like having the colour return to your soul after it had been blackened for so long by carrying guilt and shame. And Janine said this, Realising I am forgiven through faith in Jesus was initially totally overwhelming. Then it became the best gift I have ever received, a weight off my shoulders. When this man said when Jesus said to the paralyzed man, "Son, your sins are forgiven," it wasn't what people were expecting. But Jesus was proving that he can deal with our biggest need, forgiveness of our sins. He can actually equip us for eternity, for that day of judgment and remove our sin completely. And again, I want to ask, do you believe that? Is that something that you believe? Is that something you have experienced? And if not, it might be that you just need to keep coming along and finding out more. And I'd love you to do that. Please keep coming along. Hook into that life series on the 6th of February. Just as a way of becoming persuaded about these things. Or maybe you are persuaded and you just haven't taken that step. And I want to say, if that's you, maybe this morning is the morning. To actually come to Jesus and say, please forgive me through what you've done on the cross. But if these things are something you believe, like many of us do, I want to ask, will you be a good friend to those around about you, to your family and friends? See, these four guys that brought their mate, they loved him, didn't they? And they saw that he had a desperate need and they were willing to go to great lengths and ingenuity to help their friend experience the healing that they knew he needed. Uh, Little did these friends know when they set out that morning that they would actually be dealing with their friend's biggest problem, forgiveness of sins. Now, if you believe forgiveness of sins is our greatest need... Will you love your family and friends who, who don't know Jesus? Will you love them and, and seek to introduce them to Jesus? You know, invite them along. Persevere in that. Have ingenuity in terms of how will I introduce my family and friends to Jesus? Because they may not even realize that sin is a problem. Uh, they may not realize their need for Jesus, but you know it. Uh, And out of love, how can you help move them towards knowing the Lord Jesus? One of our goals in church is to just give you heaps of opportunities uh, to do that. And so please be thinking how you can make the most of that. Third interaction of Jesus is with the tax collector. And just briefly, because it's outside of my passage, I'm coming into Matt Stubbs' territory for next week. But anyway, just very briefly, Jesus comes to a tax collector named Levi... In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, follow me, and Levi leaves everything, follows Jesus. Wow. Now, some jobs are not illegal, but they certainly have a, a, a moral compromise to them. Right? So I'll give you a few examples of those sort of jobs in our, in our world today. I've got to be very careful here, but um, like a sex worker... Right. A sex worker is a legal profession in Australia, but, you know, given what we know about God, it, 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 it just would involve moral compromise to be a sex worker or a pornography magazine producer. Not illegal, but man, you know, there's a lot of moral compromise you would think that would be involved or a casino operator or anyway. So we've got these jobs that are legal but involved moral compromise. Tax collector was one of those jobs back in the first century because the Romans wanted, that, wanted someone to fill that position, uh, it, but it wasn't easy because the Jews hated having their Roman overlords. They hated paying taxes to Rome. And so, to be a tax collector was this legal job that brought with it a real moral compromise. It felt like you were selling out your fellow Jews. And so, tax collectors were considered sinners of the highest order, religious outcasts, you know, amongst the sex workers and and, and so on. And yet, Jesus calls a tax collector to be his disciple. Isn't that amazing? Um, It's. It would get under the skin of a lot of people, wouldn't it? Um, And you can see how overjoyed Levi is. He throws a party, invites a whole lot of other tax collectors and sinners. All these people who felt like they'd blown their chances with God. All of a sudden, they have a second chance. Acceptance. Love. Access to Jesus. Like they never had with the religious leaders. Because the religious leaders just shunned the sinners and the tax collectors. But Jesus welcomes them, uh, eats and drinks with them. He he preaches the gospel to them, and they receive it. And the religious leaders say, well, why?" verse 16, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 17, Jesus says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. Right? I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. And Jesus is saying, I've come here not to be one of these religious leaders who excludes people and puts myself on a pedestal. I've actually come for sinners, for sick people who need the healing of forgiveness. And so instead of trying to hide your sin, Jesus wants you to come clean with it. Ask his forgiveness... And trust his promise that he will forgive completely. And here at the lakes, we are a community of forgiven sinners. That's who we are. We're not defined by our past failures. Uh, look at, look at a few more quotes from our church members. <clears throat> forgiveness opens the door to everyone, all walks, all pasts, forgiveness comforts. We're meeting together on the same footing, all sinners, all needing forgiveness. No one is better than anyone else. There's no hierarchy. You don't have to go through a series of steps to belong. If you're forgiven, you're in. That's fantastic, isn't it? So that's the sort of community we are, and that's the sort of community we want to keep fostering amongst us. Look at what Josh, our ministry trainee, said. To know you're coming into a safe and judgmental free family who love and support, you should compel you to want to come each week. Wouldn't it? Yeah? Compel you to want to come each week. What a great bunch of people to be part of. You know, we don't always get it right because we're forgiven sinners who continue to mess up and continue to get forgiveness. But we should want to come each week, encourage one another in the daily battle of temptation and sin. So we don't just go, all right, well, I'm just going to let sin just simmer away in my life. We say, no, I want to have it forgiven, and I want change. I want to change. Um, all right, at the start of this talk, I, um, I put up the United Nations' 17 biggest needs facing humanity. And also, I, I just showed how, it, you know... The perception of need varies depending on your circumstances in life and where you live and so on. But with all of that, Jesus disagrees that they are the most biggest issue. Jesus says, now our sin is our biggest problem, but he came to deal with it. And ultimately, by dying on the cross in our place, he now offers forgiveness, a gift, as a gift to all. So this is what Laura said. Um, I love forgiveness because I'm not worthy, but Jesus is. He knows me, my past and future, and he chooses to accept me. All right, there you go. That's it. Um, so I just want to encourage each one of us, will you come to Jesus? Even today, receive this precious gift of forgiveness that Jesus holds out. Uh, and if we have received it will we will we hold this gift out to our friends and family as well let's pray <clears throat> please pray along with me in your own the quietness of your own heart if this reflects what you want to pray to god god our father i am sorry for the way i have treated you i've ignored you and tried to run my life my own way without you i'm sorry thank you for sending your king jesus into our world thank you that he died in my place for my forgiveness out of his great love please forgive me just as you promise please wash me clean and remove my guilt and shame Please change me so that I love and accept others just as you have loved and accepted me. And please help us as a church to show Jesus' love and acceptance to those around about us. Help us to show our love in many ways, but especially by bringing people to Jesus. And we pray it in his name for his honour. Amen.